Does this thing work? This is the Peak Boredom Podcast. One, two, three. Welcome to Peak Boredom. Woo! Welcome back, everyone. Today we have our good friend Josh. We met him in high school. Fortunately, I'm kidding. Fortunately. <laughs> tell me, tell us about yourself a bit. My name is Josh. I am currently studying in UBC, Vancouver, and I'm going into my third year studying cognitive systems. What, what is that? that? Yeah, what's gonna say? Okay. It's really hard to describe because it's a really weird subject, but the way I see it is kind of like a communications major between thinking systems. Well, so, it's really weird because I think back when you were still in the Singapore military, when you were still doing the national service thing, you told me you were going to take up, what was it, cognitive systems? And you said it was a weird mix between psychology and computer sciences. Yeah, it's but basically... But also app design. App design is not really like a focus in it, but it's like, it's something that you can do with this major. So it psychology and computer science is about half of it. The other half is philosophy and linguistics, which are completely different thinking systems in and of themselves. So what this major does is sort of it sort of bridges all of these things into one really umbrella odd space of just mind melting stuff it's really weird <laughs> but that's like the best way that i can describe it some things that you can do with this major include ai if you want to go into artificial intelligence research because there's direct communication going on between you know human psychology and computers and the way that computers think. Another field is the field that I'm interested in, which is user experience design, which sort of communicates the way that a product does. Like how does a how does a product communicate what it can do to a user and how does a user sort of use the interface of a product? So I guess one of the important topics around like the course that you're taking would be feedback, right? Yeah. Why is feedback then in your words, why do you think that feedback is important? In general, I think feedback, like the the big question involving that is why tell anybody that they're wrong, right? Yeah. And you know, to answer that, you can say that not everyone is perfect. Not everybody has the answers to everything. Even the most qualified person in any one field still has their own flaws, and nobody is above that. So feedback is super important because everybody is flawed. We have to yeah. help each other out. Everybody has different ideas that. No, not everybody might necessarily see. And I think you've mentioned this once before that receiving feedback can be quite difficult because I think you said some artists are personally attached mm. to like their product or people who create people who create something tend to be very personally attached to the product that yeah. they've created. That's why there's the saying don't fall in love with the stuff that you create. Something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the sense, there are some things that you have to fight for. But when is the time where oh, this feedback is useful and we should listen to whatever that person? I mean, and then like, when is the time we are like, no, I think this is the way it should be because I know the community. I think that's an important thing to think about. That's a really good question, and I think that's also something that I personally struggle with, as well as I'm pretty sure、Same. a lot of creators. For sure. 
But I think whoever has the final say or has the final decision to basically say we're gonna do this regardless of you know what people say or think, then yeah. But that doesn't mean that whoever that person may be should completely shut down any type of feedback that anybody has to offer. Right? Being open-minded yeah. is definitely something mm-hmm. that everyone should practice, regardless of what your position is and whether you're of any authority. Yeah. So the other side of that is that you've worked with multiple creative teams throughout your years, such as when we were in high school. You were one of the student council leaders, and you had to lead which committee was that? I forgot. The media committee. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, how do you provide feedback without offending people? Because I know in like certain art industries, like let's say fashion,、mm. the feedback is super brutal.、Oh, like、boy. the stuff that I hear coming out of my sister's school is absolutely <laughs> heart wrenching. <laughs> Right. I mean, and then、um, there's some stuff you kind of have more control of. How do you? Right. Giving. How、feedback. do you provide feedback? Yeah, yeah. How do you provide feedback, knowing sometimes you have that control, and sometimes it's like, oh no, I have nothing. <laughs> Not nothing, but like. Yeah, yeah. How do you how do you provide feedback without saying like, oh, you suck. This is terrible. <laughs> Because I, think, I,、um, I also、yeah. studied communication in undergrad, so a lot of the half of the other things I study is design and all those stuff. <laughs> That terrifies me, but there is a lack of being able to give feedback that is useful, but then also respectful. How do we think about going through that? Right. So providing feedback, this is something that I'm sure everyone struggles with or has struggled with at some point in their life. I still do to this day. But some things that help me when providing feedback is to. First and foremost, not rob anybody of their creative exploration. So when I try to provide feedback, one of the things that I try to do is to not give them the answers straight away. So if I see something that someone asks me to give them feedback on, I would say what I think and what I feel about whatever they whatever they might be sending me. Let's say it's a logo. Let's say someone presents to me a logo. And for whatever reason, it doesn't communicate exactly what I think it wants to communicate to me. Like I might be feeling something completely different than what the logo is intended to do. So I would be upfront about that and try to give an explanation as to why I might be feeling that way. So by doing that, I've already been able to identify the problem. And from there, I would try not to like. Give my provide a solution, but I would ask them like, how do you think you would go about approaching this problem and overcoming it? What is it about this logo or this design that could be changed so that whatever it's doing to me, even when it shouldn't be doing, you know, it doesn't do that again, right? And this kind of like gets people to think about their product or their design or, in this case, their logo, and they start to. Think of different solutions. Like maybe they could say, "Oh, maybe we could change the the font, or maybe we could change the color scheme because it doesn't really match the the kind of feeling that we want to evoke." So, if you're able to allow the creators to look at things from different angles, that opens up like a lot of different avenues for them. Does that apply to like outside of the artistic industry? Then, yeah, of course. I think like with with anything really. Um, when it comes to writing, even、um, when it comes to food, cooking, <laughs> definitely in planning, yeah,、mm, in、exactly. research and community development, for sure. You actually did that help for us for our penguin <laughs> that has no <laughs> name yet. <laughs> so if you want to name the penguin, let us know. I think know. I gave like three name suggestions. 
Yeah, he did. But and you, I think you did a really good job asking us what we really wanted from our logo. So initially, our penguin was kind of sleeping, <laughs> and, and we had a fight. We not had a fight, but like my default answer for everything is blue. So yes, <laughs> like I don't know blue, and as the one as the one who lives with the graphic designer, every time she says <laughs> Mars. What color do you want this to be? She's like, I don't know, blue. <laughs> it's really That's hard like to get default out default answer. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to get out of that, like wanting what you want without thinking about what others might be wanting from you, right? Yeah, I think a good question you ask us what is what did we want from our logo? Mm-hmm. And I think the three things we wanted was what was it? Inspiration, fun, and. What's the third right. one? <laughs> um, relaxing. Relaxing, yeah. So yeah. you, I think that was a good way not to compromise our creativity as a podcast. Yeah. But I think that's really rare, even in planning a lot of things that are happening. Were kind of like, oh, you have to do this this way. But now I think with grassroots leaders and people who are from communities. Having a voice in city decisions, we are seeing more of these things of wait a second, what do we want from this program, or what do we need? Which is, I think, very valuable even when we talk about designing right now. Right. Science is the one where it's a bit tricky. <laughs> yeah. Because it's like if if something, let's say that you create a new therapeutic and it gives people a stomach ache, you can't really say like. You can't really. <laughs> Maybe let's not, not do that fair. next time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not that. That's a no-no. <laughs> yeah, let's try to avoid that. <laughs> But I think most of the subjects require that type of thinking. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine the feedback that you try to give is? So, what feeling are you trying to evoke from this therapeutic? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> It's a placebo. <laughs> Was one of them a stomach ache? <laughs> I think for like, um, let's say therapy, right? There's not a lot of subjectivity that goes on because it's either like, it's either they're in pain or not, right? Yeah. So I think for something like that, providing feedback, you could say stuff like, "Is this method effective to you? Why or why not?" Right? And asking yeah. the the actual users, that, like the clients that come in, right? And if you think about it, psychology is all about getting feedback. Any type of therapy is about getting feedback. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I think you mentioned once you work with a nonprofit organization. Do you mind telling us a bit more about that? Right. So currently, I am working with、um, UBC Gearing Up. It's a nonprofit that does summer camps for kids aged six to twelve, and some twelve and up. So basically, dealing with kids over the summer. And we teach them stuff about STEM fields. So it could be about could be about math. It could be about the sciences, technology, a bit of coding、yeah. sometimes. And then do you find that it's different providing feedback to children versus maybe teenagers and adults? I think、um, so. I'm a part of the publicity assistant.、Um, that's my position. I, I work with、um, graphics and visuals and stuff like that. So I mostly、yeah. work with a team who's also involved in graphics and visuals. So we do provide、uh, feedback for each other, and we don't necessarily directly work with kids 
we don't ask kids to provide feedback. <laughs> um, although we should be, I think that would be a really good way to get direct feedback. But we mostly ask each other, is this appropriate for the content that we're producing? And if not, how can we improve on that? Mm. So a big part of that, a big challenge for us was coming up with a color palette for one of our YouTube channels. We were starting a completely new brand from scratch and trying to decide what is the overall look and feel for it. That was quite a big challenge for us because our demographic wasn't just kids anymore. It was more for high schoolers. So um, moving away from the color palette that we once had, which was like usually a lot more bright, a lot more colorful because it attracts kids' attention more effectively. But as we move towards like the more mature audience, what color palette should we use to attract them? That was kind of the question that we asked ourselves. And then we went through so many different iterations of all kinds of color palettes. We finally stuck with one, but the whole process to get to that point was to go through so much feedback back and forth. And it didn't help that we, we had to do everything online because of COVID-19. Hello, COVID. <laughs> I love COVID. It's, it's interesting because you said that you work to inspire kids to join the STEM field. And the STEM field, mm, I, I don't know if I should be saying this, <laughs> needs, help in, needs help in the artistic <laughs> standpoint. Mm. Because uh, as someone who's taking a master's in what's definitely the STEM field, <laughs> but I, I can't, it's definitely STEM. Like, I'm, I'm in STEM. You can't say that I'm not. It's not. Right. The words applied biomolecular technology. All three of those <laughs> words. All three of those words are in STEM. Anyway, as someone who's as someone who's seen a lot of professional PhD posters, posters made by professors, and I've had to design my own like poster, those A1 size posters you see in universities, I think that the STEM industry needs to it's interesting because I don't know the border between being unprofessional with the scientific posters that we have to having posters that are good looking because most of the times the posters that I see are the nicest thing about the posters are microscope images or like glow-in-the-dark images and all that stuff and graphs but the rest of them is just words and words and words mm -hmm. that's interesting asking I'm not promoting this program so there is a program called Biocommunication. So it's a bunch of scientists learning how to design better scientific methods to understand, like in textbooks. So I think design is a very, very underrated field in the science like world. Um, oh yeah, I think because could, I think in the yeah. beginning, in the beginning of like my bachelor's degree, when I was reading papers. I looked at the paper and I read the same sentence maybe five times and I did not understand what that sentence said. Like, not only do the words maybe need improvement in like the way we communicate, but posters for sure. Whenever the teacher gives an example poster, they say that posters have to be attractive or else you won't be able to get the attention of sponsors, um, people who want to provide grants and stuff. But you look at these posters and you think, oh no, another one. Because yeah. it's the same color, the same format. I don't know if you've ever seen them before. Okay. Mm. Oh. I have an idea of what you're talking about. But yeah, I think... What do you think? As, as two people who don't come from STEM, tell me what you think about the posters that currently exist in STEM. 
Why do you so, think I'm not in STEM? It's because <laughs> of those posters. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, that's the, that's the same with plotting. They make things hard to understand in law, especially when we could have made it easier with an easier design. Maybe explain, oh, this community needs this. So we should design the method to get research better like this. I think design and feedback, getting feedback about that getting that constant prototyping is just right, doing it again. That I, that cycle is like underrated in everything else but the design cycle, as in like, you know, logos and stuff. Mm-hmm. But everyone else, it's like, oh, we don't need that 10 years later. Yeah, that's not a good design. Yeah, you know, Mars brings up a really good point. I think like in STEM fields, especially, it's not so much about um, implementing artistry into you know, let's say an experiment, but more so of designing. So using the poster example, the reason why it, you know, they might not look very appealing (laughs) is because it's not designed properly. And I think there's a fundamental difference between design and art with design being something that you use if you're trying to solve problems. Art is more about getting people to ask questions. Design is less about that and it's more of trying to make people have to think less or ask as little questions as possible. So if a user were to find a poster and they have to constantly ask themselves, where do I start or where should I be reading? What should I be looking at, right? Those are the questions that you want to try to eliminate when you're designing a poster. And even if it doesn't look nice and you're trying to make it look appealing visually to a reader, it's not so much about, you know, making it look pretty, but you're also designing it in a way that you're eliminating the problem of what ways can we make this more visually appealing to our users. And Do you have any suggestions? Suggestions? Oh yeah, boy. yeah. Like- Suggest ways that people can maybe make a poster more digestible to an Mm. audience. I think, um, okay, I've seen a lot of scientific diagrams and an issue that I have with a lot of them that I've seen is not having enough space. Um, What I mean by that is that if I were to see a poster that has a whole lot of information on it, as in there was no room to fit anything else, people just cramming as much information as they can into a poster, then I'm not going to want to read it. Nobody's going to want to read it. And establishing a visual hierarchy of where the readers should read first, second, third, last, that is something that needs to be established in like a poster, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a lot that goes on in the design realm that can be implemented into a lot more than just, you know, what people normally think of, like graphic design. I guess continuing from that, since there's a lot of prototyping and design, how do you continue to be inspired or creative and not lose that sight? Mm. <laughs> I guess. Because I think a lot of times when we prototype anything, research questions, design, logos, is that we lose, not hope, but like we lose the sense of hope. <laughs> Hope? That's really sad. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, mean, I don't want to do this anymore. 
I'm just gonna quit. <laughs> I think that too, but like bigger than that is we lose the goal we have for the logo or the or the thing we're doing that we lose that creativity. How do you kind of stare away from that? I think there. This is gonna sound really cheesy, but there is inspiration everywhere, and <laughs> okay. it's just a matter of wow. trying to find it. I know, right? <laughs> wow, who would have thought? <laughs> okay, let's start with simpler. Where do you personally find yeah. inspiration? Where do I personally find inspiration? Like okay. when you, I like to use, I like to use this website called Dribble, with three Bs, D R I B B B L E. <laughs> okay. That place is full of inspiration, especially when it comes to like visual stuff, typography, graphic design, illustration, even applications like building web apps, phone apps, those kind of things. Another platform that I like to use is Instagram because there's a there's everything on Instagram. There's a lot of creators on Instagram. There are a lot of creators on Instagram. And it doesn't have to be anything visual necessary.、Yeah. Um, sometimes I get recommended a lot of engineering stuff on Instagram. Like I, is, I get recommended. This is so、what? weird. I just this get recommended. Re- but like, no, no. This is like really odd because you're the you're the artistic one, and you get recommended engineers. Yeah. I'm the yeah. STEM major. I get recommended tattoo artists. <laughs> I just get recommended memes. I don't know、so. how Instagram's algorithms work. <laughs> What is happening? <laughs> I mean that too. I also get re- recommended possum pictures. Don't ask. Possums? Yeah, it's a thing. There are actual Instagram accounts just for possum memes, <laughs> and it's so great. <laughs> anyway, as I was saying, there is a lot that you can find on Instagram, and a lot of inspiration to be found on Instagram. So I get recommended like. A bunch of engineering diagrams, and I've learned a lot through Instagram alone. What? Yeah, it's really strange, but it's definitely it's definitely a really good source of inspiration. I stalked a lot of people from there. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should、I、mention think... who. No. <laughs> I think someone mentioned that you should stop following people who are like more on the lines of like models and what they call Instagram creators. I、mm. guess. Influencers. Yeah, yeah, influencers.、Mm-hmm. Like,、right. you should stop following influencers and start following creators. And what they mean by that are people who own small businesses that they're really passionate about,、mm-hmm. and different art account, art accounts, baking accounts. What else? Textile account. I think that's why I follow so so many tattoo artists. It's because the versatility in the style、right. is really great. I mean, aside from there's a lot of educational accounts. I think that's where I get most inspired by knowing my feet. Where are you guys going? <laughs> where are you guys getting these accounts? Why do I not get these accounts? I mean, I can send some.、Uh, I can send、want. some. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I learned. I mean, recently there's a lot of about the Black Lives Matter, right? So I learned a lot of them from my friends, and about environmental justice, climate change. That's also because because my friends are kind of in the field. So,、mm-hmm. but I think there's the trick is looking for accounts that are small. That actually will contact you. So I met a lot of. I'm not saying I made friends, but I, I was inspired. <laughs> I was inspired a lot 
by them even to create this podcast and in a nutshell. What kind of uh, hashtags do you guys follow? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I didn't go that far. No? I don't think I follow hashtags. No, not specific hashtags. I follow like specific creators. Mm. Because following hashtags can definitely help you find creators and it improves your Instagram algorithm to recommend stuff that you might actually be interested in. Mm-hmm. I get memes. I get memes and tattoo artists. Those are like the two largest recommendations I get. Then follow I- those hashtags. Follow tattoo artists. No. Of Instagram. Okay. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's a hashtag for that. I follow a very specific category though, so like I don't think that will help. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, let's move on to the next topic. We're getting Sorry, guys. <laughs> but yeah, connect with the people you know. So I think another really important topic that we wanted to talk about was hustle culture. I know some people don't know that term, so we're gonna have to explain it. But then mm-hmm. we want to talk about. Hustle culture and the fallout from it, which is burnout, which can follow in like every single field. Like you can get burnout no matter what field you're in. Especially since I think since we were young, we were told do what you love and it won't be like a job. But the but people don't understand even if you do love it, it's still work and you can get burnout. So I guess one of you, please explain what hustle culture is. <laughs> you love that term, Josh. Kidding. Me? Yeah, <laughs> oh, I'm <boy>. teasing. Hustle <laughs> hard. So I like to think that I'm a go-getter. Sometimes I see myself falling short of that, but that's fine. Like it's something that I've come to realize that it's okay to feel like you're not doing enough, and it's okay to feel like you're behind on every, like behind everybody else. Because you know, not everybody has exactly what what they want. Even the people that you're inspired by are going through their own thing as well. This was like especially prominent when I was still in the army. Because、um, while I was, you know, cleaning tanks day in day out, my、Flexing. friends,、yes. <laughs> yeah, all my friends would just be like doing all kinds of crazy things、um, in university, like you guys. Yeah. And- <laughs> I just wanted I to get. I don't think、started. I was doing anything. Yeah, man. But in my eyes, it felt like、yeah. I was missing out on a lot.、Yeah. Right, I had to stay back for about two to three years, and by the time I've reached my second year, most of my friends have already graduated. That includes you guys. So. Oh, we're still in school. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've、still、graduated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're、it. done with undergrad, but yeah, there's that whole feeling of. You know, being left out, being falling behind—it's like FOMO, but you know, even worse. Fear of missing because, out. Yeah.、Mm, it's like you feel it's like you're lacking.、Thing. It's super、oh, real,、sure. and it sucks. But what I've come to realize is that you know, everybody is going at their own pace, regardless of you know what other people might be doing or what other people might be saying about their progress. Yours might be a lot slower than mine. Mine could be a lot slower than yours. And are you trying to say day, something? Are you trying to say Uncle Iron? <laughs> are you trying、I、to say I, I work slow? All I'm saying is we all have different paces. <laughs> are you saying I work slow? <laughs> Maybe. I think it's. Who actually know? I honestly would know 
And that's another thing. It's because people don't post the bad things about their life necessarily all the time, especially on social media, mm-hmm. right? And you you've probably yeah. heard this before. People only post like the great, you know, amazing things about their lives on social media because that's the part of the their lives that they want people to see. And in a lot of cases, that's really toxic. And that's where a lot of people find themselves feeling like they're lacking. So that whole hustle culture movement, I think it really started to amp up when people started to utilize social media more to promote themselves as you know go-getters. They have their all their things together. They know exactly what they're doing in life when in reality they don't. I think it's also the generation we grew up. I mean, even in school, well, we did the IB. IB um, schooling system where a part of it is you getting the stuff you want to do done by yourself so looking at what other people do in that field makes you kind of question yourself I guess right for me especially in my middle school a lot of the things we did were student-based and independent so we were encouraged to do projects that are something kids not supposed to do, but but you know that kids can do and please, should do. Please specify. I, please specify, because that did not that sound, sound right. You're gonna have to clarify. Okay. Yes. Um, what do you mean things kids are not supposed to a do? A lot of my friends did like charity work, conference planning, conference yeah. planning in the age of now that I think about it, we were like 14, 15. Right. We were children, yes. Children. Yeah. But we were calling people. We were doing venues we were teaching english at the age of four we were do a lot of my friends were doing a lot of the things that with social media and that, that are happening right now and the access of so many information doing stuff that we wanted to do but in that mindset we are thinking of the hustle culture and we are being saying that if you don't do this stuff or if you even even if you do it and you do it like real slow then you're kind of some kind of of a failure not a failure but like you're not being a go-getter which i think is something we all struggle right now it might have something to do with like the society we were built into because growing up my parents basically said so in my mind if you want to figure out if that particular route of career is for you you take an internship right? right you get some experience in the field to get your footing of like do I want to go down this route or is this something that I definitely don't want? But the way that my parents basically raised me, they said, don't waste your high school time. Your cousin was doing this at your age, your friend was doing this. And I think it might have something to do with the fact that we were constantly being compared to other people. Mm-hmm. Right. That we feel the need to constantly be doing something. Right. So, so when we're not doing something, we feel like we're falling short. And it's really tricky because my parents have always told me, don't waste your time, go get an internship, don't sit at home doing nothing, you know, because that footing will get you some experience so that for your first job, you can get some decent experience. And like, it has to matter for some reason. At such a young age, you're being told everything you do has to matter or else it has this weird ricochet effect on the rest of your career. Yeah, so they said like your first job is important because your first job will affect your second one. Like wow. So a lot of my friends were. So it's also like the generational thing. Yeah, a lot of my friends were burned out really fast in university just because the things we do in high school just seem uncomparable to university, I guess, including me. But anyway, 
I think that's a very generational. I, I think now with even social media being just so prominent, that you can do anything if you just put your mind into it. That sounds very cheesy, but it's true, right? You forget that being slow is not a compromise either. But like, don't just sit there doing nothing as well. That's like a completely different problem. <laughs> it's a personal balance. It's different for everyone. How would I approach being productive without being burnt out? I think first of all, what inspires productivity is motivation. And once, if you don't have motivation, you kind of have to, you know, start something to snowball it. And when you, when you feel like you've been too productive or like really, really productive, and you start to lose motivation, that's a sign that. You might be burning out. That's just the way that I see it. So, starting with having no production and no motivation, building that can just be something as simple as making tea in the morning, right? It's it doesn't sound like a lot, but at the end of the day, it's doing something for yourself and it's getting you to do something. It's getting you to move. Take five minutes to solve a really simple problem. Let's say you haven't brushed your teeth in the morning. Brush your teeth, and look back on that and say, "I just did that for myself." It's not a lot, but it's something that I've done, and it can, you know, I'm ready to start the day. And then you move on to another bigger problem. Let's say you haven't eaten breakfast. Make yourself an egg. Ten minutes. Just one egg. An egg. <laughs> yeah, just oh, an egg. Oh, Jojo, it's two I eggs. I love eggs, so <laughs> don't question it. <laughs> but yeah,、just、after you、egg. made yourself breakfast, you can look back on that and say that I just did that for myself. You know, and all of a sudden you have two things going for you. You've brushed your teeth, you've made an egg, and you know, eventually that that drive to do something to feel. Like you've actually, you know, been productive, will start to snowball, and as soon as that picks up, you'll find yourself doing more bigger things to solve like、um, bigger problems. And at the end of the day, you'll find yourself saying, "I've done a lot." If you just、It's、keep doing that, it's about knowing your limits, right? Yeah. And then, of course, there, yeah, like there are limits as to how much you can do in a day. And when that snowball gets too big and it starts to crumble, and you start to lose motivation, you're starting to think that I think I might not be as productive as I wish I could be. I think that's a good indicator that you need to stop. Right? That's when you start to realize I think I'm burning out, and I need to take a break. Right? And taking breaks is still productive. That's something that I think a lot of people fail to realize is that, you know, giving yourself some rest, maybe taking a twenty-minute nap, or just taking a walk outside. That's still productive because you're doing something for yourself to recover. Yeah.、Mm-hmm. I think that one of the things that I definitely struggled with personally, and it really changed. I think a lot of people struggle with this because it sounds like really simple advice, but. People don't really commit to doing it. It's to stop comparing yourself to other people.、Sure. Stop looking at. Well, if you want to look at other people and their progress, then you can celebrate their progress, but don't compare yourself to what they're doing. Cause time and place, it's 
it can be the place that they're in both mentally and physically can help them accelerate productivity but that doesn't mean that they're not going to burn out it doesn't mean that they can continue with that accelerated speed at all times because social media we only see all the good parts and i've seen some people that on social media they seem so cheerful they're doing so much like i don't understand when they have the time to even sleep but but then i have their friends contacting me saying like oh they look like they're burning out but they just refuse to stop and we need to keep in mind i guess our own limits and stop comparing ourselves with the people around us yeah, you did something too. productive you went in the army not many people in our grade can say that i mean how many people in our grade actually went to do army i think it's just the koreans and singaporeans yeah. right but yeah what, what is an example when you guys were burned out then and how did you guys get out of it because i think that's something i struggle with all the time so over the whole quarantine i've had my share of wanting to do things right working on hobbies because i Like I would scroll through Instagram and I'd see people doing things like that I'd be making banana bread for example. I don't know why everybody just started doing banana bread for whatever reason. I think it's because no one knows how to bake. That Honestly, be, but yeah, it's just banana, banana bread. bread is a bit yeah, it's a bit foolproof so I think that's the reason why people are like But it's also you know really specific. I don't, I don't know why like everyone just gravitated towards it, but that's besides the point. My point is People started posting <laughs> the things that they were working on over the quarantine, right? Just to feel good about themselves and say, "I finally did this," which is not bad at all. I'm super grateful to see all these people post such amazing things that they're proud of. And I said to myself, "I think I want to do something like that. I want to work on one thing for a week um, that I can feel proud about and something that I can learn from by the end of the week." And for me, that was product design sketching. And I said to myself, I'm gonna try to work on my product design sketching for a week, and hopefully. Wait, that wasn't homework. That wasn't homework. That was just out of what? my own. Oh, what did you think it was? I thought you caught up with homework. that. Oh, you thought it was actual work? Yeah. No, yeah. I was just doing it for fun. <laughs> I thought you. Okay. <laughs> I mean, Go on. Well, yeah. So anyway, I just decided to, you know, sketch maybe like an hour or two every day for a whole week, and hopefully by the end of the week, I could say I could look back and say I've learned a lot from this experience, and I'm gonna, you know, use that for other things that I possibly do. So I did that every day. I'd make new sketches. And I'll post them on my Instagram story because that was sort of like a motivation for me. That worked for me because it felt like I had an audience, and if I didn't meet that expectation the next day, it sort of like pushes me to have something by then, right? So that helped. I think I think you should have stated that it was like a personal thing.、Mm. And that you are gonna draw every day, because I just thought you were working on homework, man. You know what? Maybe I should be more clear about that next time. I'll keep that in mind. I thought like, oh, Josh is doing homework again. <laughs> oh yeah, it's another day of homework. I、I'll、guess. I've been doing homework in summer. It's. 
<laughs> Some homework is a thing. Homework. No, it is a thing. I have them, but like, why? Technically, it is homework because I'm working at home. Stop. But anyway, stop. The point. <laughs> <laughs> delete everything. Just delete this whole conversation that we had. Um, mm. But yeah, the point where I started burning out was when. I hit a point where I felt like my progress was dipping from the day before. And that day was really hard because it was... I like to think of my progress as something that's linear or exponential even. But it's not like that. There are going to be days where your progress or what you think your ability, your level of ability will drop from the day before. And that's completely normal, but it's something that we fail to see oftentimes. So that day was really difficult for me because I was on the fence of whether I should post my progress um, online because I really didn't want to. It was something that I wasn't proud of. But I think what helped me overcome that feeling of burnout and burnout being the time when I felt like I was lacking was to just post it anyway. And I find that posting your failures on social media is a good way of overcoming burnout. Because part of that, part of that feeling of burnout stems from not living up to expectations. It could be your own or it could be other people, but more often than not, it's gonna be your own expectations of yourself, right? And this happens a lot to a lot of creators, myself included. Sometimes I feel like I could be doing a lot better than what I am producing right now. Why aren't I living up to that standard? And that's sort of something that we kind of have to live with regardless of our skill level. But being able to, you know, build up the nerve to share that failure with other people, I think it's a good way of just dissipating all of that anxiety, all of that pressure that you have on yourself, and to just say, this is fine. My failures are a part of progress, regardless of how good it is. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna own it. I think it's, it's interesting how you say like that burnout stems from not living up to your own expectations of maybe yourself or other people's expectations of you because I think so my professors are not going to want to hear this but <laughs> I pretty much figured out most of my dissertation like the content of my dissertation I essentially finished within the first two weeks so I have my we were, question, but good for you, Inga. <laughs> we were officially supposed to start the projects on the 8th of June. Mm. By 8th of June, I've already finished most of my project. <laughs> to the professors listening, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we have the final dissertation report due mid-August. Mm -hmm. I am 2,500 done out of 5,000 words. So, it's interesting because some days I would write so much and I would do so much. Mm -hmm. um, I figured out the entire project in two weeks and I thought I can definitely finish the rest of it really, really quick at that rate. But then the progress just slowed down quite a lot. 
And that, I feel, maybe I should take a break. Which is interesting, it's hard to gauge when to take a break in the middle of mm-hmm. quarantine because quarantine feels like a break. It doesn't feel like... Time is yeah. no longer oh, linear. Yeah. You don't know when to <laughs> stop or when to start even. <laughs> That's so Yeah, funny. for sure. I wake up, I think to myself, I still got plenty of time. Go back to sleep. 5 p.m. Wake up. <laughs> time for lunch. Yeah. Time for lunch. Make an afternoon snack. Oh no, suddenly it's dinner time. And then productivity just slows down so much. It's like, if you watch the show, The Good Place, time suddenly becomes like the Jeremy Baramy thing. Yeah, that is quarantine life. But yeah, I think for me, burnout is the same, feeling inadequate, especially coming from a school where everyone is doing everything still right now. I think the way I dealt it with is my friends actually. Actually, especially ooh, in ooh, wow, friendship is magic. But seriously, um, is it me? <laughs> yeah, you you guys are one of them. But I think coming into <laughs> Look, mom, I made it. <laughs> <laughs> coming to masters, especially, um, a lot of the people I meet with are some are already accomplished, right? But some of them are me who are just graduate for undergrad and want to go go get everything um um, hearing them feeling the same i did and actually having giving me a hand on like like i'm not good at writing my grammar stuff but i have great ideas and having that support is actually really really helpful in not getting burnout because knowing that there are people who are like you even though they seem so productive that really helped me into all saying hey maybe i kind of need a break and maybe i should tell my friends that i need help so um that's how i got my burnout out recently from masters but shout out to my cohort <laughs> they're really great i know she means mental support she does not mean collusion Just no of course <laughs> of course <laughs> i think that's that support from friends is something um, I take for granted all the time, but I think it's something people don't have that I'm thankful for. Now that it just sounds, why does it sound almost like I'm dying? It's a confession, you know, it's like, I value your friendship and support so much. I am still alive. But support Despite, is definitely really important though. Yeah, I think that's a way to not close yourself from the people that are caring for you um, that's a way to not be burned out too because I think even in the creative culture and hustle culture we tend to close ourselves when we don't reach that that goal we want to or something came up the way hit that and everything's gone but I think that's the progress feeling is progress feeling that you share something that you feel about is slow progress and I'm learning that every day. And I definitely read a quote yeah. recently that said a lot of young people make the mistake of determining their self-worth by how many people they reach rather than how they reach those people. Mm. And that applies to, I think, friendships. Like The quantity of your friendships does not make up for the quality of friendships. If you have a giant group of friends and you can't connect with any of them then what's the point if you've only got one friend but that's a 
great one friend then that's amazing yeah i think that one thing my friends said in masters were we don't care if your grammar sucks you have great ideas and that's your contribution and i think that's a very good way to think about when you're designing stuff or when you're doing doing that getting the thing you want i think sitting down and talking getting tea getting tea what bubble kind of tea, tea? <laughs> bubble tea i like the alley but anyway <laughs> getting that mental not sponsored not sponsored sponsored <laughs> and like admitting that you need that help is great that's a whole other conversation that's of asking whole, for help mm-hmm. yeah indeed that is a big one actually but i think that's a big one in design right because like of even in, oh, in yeah. life okay let's not talk asking about asking for it's, help it's big it's big but like essentially this applies to any field for now i think we're roughly out of time so thanks josh for joining us in this super helpful session yeah, helpful <laughs> Like, well, it was! Yeah! Okay, well I'm glad to be a part of it. Thank you guys so much for having me. I've never yeah. been on a podcast before. Well, <laughs> oh, us either. This is our yeah. first time. <laughs> first time for everything, and I love it. Thanks for joining us, guys. See you next time. Bye! See you guys. Hello, hi! Thank you for listening to the Pink Boredom Podcast. This is Mars and Inga 